My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. mergers and acquisitions. Chad is a serial entrepreneur, author, and renowned business broker. He has successfully handled business transactions across the United States and abroad. In some cases, the deals have ranged from $1 million to $25 million plus. Chad handles the transactions from start to finish with tenacity and results. In this episode, he will share the merger and acquisition process and how to know if it is the best move for your business. Hi, Chad. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm in Mexico. I'm enjoying the beach, uh, living life, and really enjoying myself, and I'm glad that I'm on your show and really look forward to getting into these details with you for you and your audience. All right. So how get into helping people sell their businesses? Well, the, the interesting story about that is, you know, when, when I was a little boy, I was working very hard, harder than what I should have maybe. And um, I just had the hard work gene early on in my life. And I was just knocking on doors as a little boy. And I knew that the more no's I got, I was getting closer to a yes. And I, I knew that before I had read it in, in any book out there. And I would knock on doors and say, hey, can I help you with something? Can I, can I mow your grass? Can I walk your dogs? Can I shovel your snow? Whatever I can do. And that turned into an entrepreneurial journey where I've, I've built and sold many businesses successfully myself. And every time that I went to sell my business with a, a broker, I was unimpressed with their work ethic and their knowledge and their background. And if you don't have a background in being an entrepreneur, it's just not, you're not a great fit to help somebody sell their business as a broker. So I looked at what they did and I, the, these brokers and I said, I can do this 10 times, you know, 10 times better. So after I built and sold about six businesses myself, I started doing it for other people. And at first I was kind of an unpaid consultant and then I turned it into a, a full-time deal where I was, uh, going to the market with my services, and it's really been a blessing. I've really done well with it, and I've been ranked the number one broker in the country, and it's just really been a successful journey. Wow, that's amazing, and I, I love to hear, I mean, that you have 
the tenacity that you speak of. I mean, of course, there's something I tell students, I'm in education, there's something I tell students, which is what you exactly did as a kid, which is if you don't ask, then the answer is absolutely no. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So, um, yes, you know, yes. yeah, and, you know, I do have tenacity. I'm tenacious about anything that I do, and I get what I want. And then the reason I get what I want is because I, I envision it and I know that it's possible and I do whatever it takes to pursue whatever target I have in my mind and I'm relentless with it. And I think that is at the heart of anybody who is a successful entrepreneur or a mover and shaker, you know, somebody that has that intensity and that tenacity. You have to have it. Without it, I would not be where I'm at. Wow, that's amazing. You know, most entrepreneurs, they claim they have a, some sort of, I guess, secret formula, if you will, if you want to call it that, right? So for you, what do you value most that has attributed to your success in business? Like what's your secret sauce, do you think? My secret sauce, number one, I know what I'm doing. Okay, a lot of brokers don't know what they're doing. Number two, I know how to get deals done. I know how to offend somebody to get a deal done. Okay, I know when people are getting in their own way. I know how to step right over somebody to get something accomplished. And, you know, it might irritate them sometimes, but I have to get it done. Because people that sell their businesses, you know, customers are mine, of mine, they, they don't always know what they're doing, and they get in their own way. And then thirdly, I would say, it's probably the most important ingredient, is just the unreal will and unrelenting drive that I have that you know I just won't stop until it gets done and that's that's my secret sauce. A lot of people like to make their secret sauce their degree. Well, I have an MBA. I'm like, well, what's that going to do for you? You know, I, I tell you what, with, with you know, I'll take anybody with an MBA if that's their secret sauce. Come work with me and see if see if your MBA is going to help you with what I do. I doubt it does. Yeah, you know, it's it's you have to have unreal, unrelenting will. You have to look at something that seems impossible and say, "No, I got this. This is no problem." You know, that's that's what you have to have. And credentials and degrees, they're not going to replace that. I've got I've had people that work for me that don't have degrees or MBAs and, you know, they make very, very good money, and I've hired people that you know, brag on their secret sauce of their degree and they're worthless. They're still standing in job. They're, they're probably still standing in a line looking for a job today because I, I wasn't going to keep them hired. You know, I mean, you have to have, you know, tenacity and hard work and work ethic. You have to have that. You know, a degree isn't going to do much for you. No, I totally agree with you. I think that regardless of degrees or no degrees, really the hard work is within the person, right? It, it's within – who you are, and your foundation that you set within you. I truly believe that. Yeah, and for yes. sure. It is. It is. Yes. And I, and I uh, you know, and, and to make that point further, I mean, it's kind of like this. Are you going to wait until your ship comes in, or are you going to swim out to it and throw the captain overboard, and, and you're going to take that ship over, okay? The second one is, is what you need to be. You know, if you're just waiting for your ship to come in, you're going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Nobody's going to do it for you. It's not just going to land in your lap. 
you got to throw somebody overboard and, and, and commandeer it. And if you don't have that mentality, you're not going to make it. You know, I, I love that analogy. And that's something that I want to shift to when you're talking to entrepreneurs and they're thinking about growing. And sometimes, you know, they're, you have to merge with another business to grow. There's all types of entrepreneur coaches, right, business coaches, marketing gurus. They always talk about scale your business, scale your business, grow, 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 right? But what's the best mm-hmm. indicator to signal that it is even time for you to grow? Well, the only way that you can truly grow a business anymore is through acquisition. And the reason of that is because you it's damn hard to hire one employee or two employees at a time and really grow the business. It's damn hard. And if you look at uh, Dr. Pepper or Coca-Cola or, you know, these various huge companies or, you know, even hotel companies and, and things like this, you know, they, they swallow up their competition because it's a lot easier to buy somebody else's hard work than it is to, to grow one employee or three employees at a time and get them to get them trained and, you know, create a culture and make everybody happy and everybody knows the systems and the confines of what they're working within and, and, and having everybody have a, a, employee or an employer mentality rather than an employee mentality to get people engaged in their work is hard to do. So, you know, let's just take a simple business. Let's just say you owned a plumbing company and you had, let's just say you have five trucks or five vans and every day that each one of those trucks go out, you know, you're bringing in $2,000 in gross revenue. Okay. Well, it's really hard to go out there and find, even just one or two guys that, you know, they're not drunk. Um, you know, they, they don't have personal problems. Their, their dog didn't eat their homework. Um, you know, their, you know, their cell phone, their cell phone battery died. Okay. It's hard to find these people and to get them to fall in line with, you know, hard work. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but hard work and, and discipline and, and drive, and determination, those things are kind of a forgotten deal these days. People are people are lazy. They don't really they don't really want to work. They don't really want to be a company man anymore. That's, that's the 1950s. This is 2020. This is what can you do for me? Do I have benefits? Do I have time off? You know, I'll be late if I want to be late. That's the new world. And so, if you want to grow, you have to grow through acquisition. And what that means is, you own a business and you're bringing in X amount of money. And what we call cash flow is net bottom line. That's what's what we call seller's discretionary earnings or cash flow. And out of that number, you can go to a bank and you can say, hey, I want to buy this other company that has 20 vans as a plumbing company. Well, it only costs you 10% of what that business costs. So let's just say that business is going to cost you a million dollars. It only costs one hundred thousand dollars to go buy that business. So if you have a hundred grand sitting in your bank, that money is making you no money. Okay, it's making you a half percent. Let's just say your bank is really kind and they want to pay you one percent on your money. You might as well take that hundred grand and go buy a business that's that costs a million dollars, because you can assume that if it costs a million. Divide that by three, and that's what it should be making a year. So $333,000 a year is what that business should be making. So take your hundred grand out, put it down on that next business, 
And what you're buying is you're buying the revenue and you're buying the employees, you're buying the assets, in this case the plumbing vans or whatever. That's how you grow. So think about this. Would you rather spend the next three years hiring and ultimately firing people just to get the right people in the vans and, and get them to do what you want to do and, like I said, not show up with all their bad habits and all this other kind of stuff? Or would you rather just go buy it from a guy who's already put that work in? So that's, how you, that's what we call growth through acquisition. Okay, and that's how that's how the big boys become the big boys. They swallow up all the little guys, and that's so that's that's where the focus should be right now, and especially in a down economy. Now, because of COVID, the the best companies to buy these days are construction related. That makes sense. I guess it's just like people tell people, you know, to create drop shipping businesses or you know find turnkey solutions where. You know, it's kind of everything is set up for you. And, you know, the, you don't have to go forward and do all this extra work starting from the beginning and getting frustrated in the process when you're starting from scratch, when it's like why start from scratch when you can just take something that's already working and working well, and maybe the person just doesn't want to do it anymore, right? Because that happens too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, burnout. Okay, so I wrote the book Swinging Doors, A Guide to Selling Your Business. And what I talk about mostly in that book is burnout and boredom. So, oh. you know, if, if let's just say I bought a car and I drove that car for 10 years and I'm like, you know, this thing is getting a little rattly and there's some things that, you know, need some attention, I'm going to go ahead and sell this car. Well, the human mind, because that's, that's most things in life, right? You have a garage sale because you don't want that anymore, Right. And then you sell your car. You sell your car because you know it's got some problems on its way. Well, people come to the table sometimes with that mentality to buy a business. Well, the fact is, there's nothing wrong with the with the business. It's just that the owner himself is burnt out or bored. That's what it is. So there's there's a distinct difference, and this is very important. Like what I'm about to tell you, there's a distinct difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. An entrepreneur is going to get bored. An entrepreneur is going to build a business, and he probably has five years, and he's going to get bored with it. Okay, if he doesn't get bored, then I'm going to tell you he's not an entrepreneur. So then do you feel like there is a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner? So somebody who runs a business is a business owner, and there's a distinct difference. A business owner is actually closer to an employee than what you might think. A good business owner is somebody out of corporate America who is tired of the corporate America rat race but doesn't have the balls to go start a business from scratch. He's somewhere in between. He's not an entrepreneur. He's more of a managerial type that has enough, he desires enough autonomy, but he doesn't have the ability to risk like an entrepreneur does. And so the best business owners out there are the ones that are good at management. They want to be at the office every day at 7 o'clock and go home at 5 p.m. Those are your best business owners. But if you're going to buy a business, you're more than likely buying a business from an entrepreneur, not a business owner. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely, and thank you for sharing that information. Wow, I never really thought about it because sometimes when you see people who create these businesses and then they just sell them and it's just like, but I thought that's something that you wanted to do. <laughs> and then you no, right. So 
Right. So in the beginning of this podcast, I, you know, I told your listeners that I built and sold six companies. Well, why would I do that? It's like, wait a minute, you've got this thing working. It's making you money. Why would you sell it? And an entrepreneur will say, because I've already, an entrepreneur would say, I've already done my job. My job's over. Okay, that's it. But now people that would love to own a business, they're the ones that, that are the right buyers, business owners. And that's what I do is I, I figure out a fit. Okay, I'm kind of a, I don't know, I'm kind of a married people, all right? Uh, so I, I figure out, okay, is this going to work? And, you know, is, is this guy a manager or is he an entrepreneur? Does he have the salt and the grit that it's going to take to run this business? Now, whenever I take a business to the bank and I handle all the financing for them and I get everybody, you know, what they need in order to get this thing done, the bank has to trust me too. The bank has to trust that I'm bringing them somebody who – uh, I've already vetted that can they can run this business. So the bank ha the bank trusts me. All right. So if I, if I get two people together and I think it's a marriage and it's a fit and, and everybody's going to do well, then that's when I'll make an acquisition happen for two people. Uh, otherwise, I don't do the deal because if it's not going to work out for somebody, then that's not good business. That's not how we that's not how we do things. No, that makes sense. It has to be a win win on each side for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yes. So you talked about conducting a business valuation, and how how do you do that, and then why should you do that? Okay, well, I, I mean, this you know, you, you have a pretty big audience, and so I, I'm going to tell all the listeners now: don't go pay for a business valuation. Um, people that are in the business valuation field are always wrong. I didn't say sometimes wrong; always wrong. I can actually tell you what your business is worth. Now, the people that are in the business valuation world, they have a they have a really really expensive, beautiful rubber stamp that I don't have. And whenever they stamp that business valuation with their ink, with that incredibly expensive stamp that they own, that they had to go to a business valuation school to get. Coincidentally, it always has the wrong value on there, always. So the best thing to do is to contact somebody like myself who really knows the value of businesses. And that sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, how could you go and go through a business valuation school and not know how to evaluate a business? Well, I don't know. I mean, how, how can McDonald's be serving poison every day and be the largest corporation in the world next to Apple, and certainly the largest restaurant in the world, McDonald's is, and the food is garbage and it's poisonous. I can't figure that one out either. But I'm telling you that business valuation companies, they, they don't know what businesses are worth. And what a business is worth is, number one, what somebody's going to pay for it. That's number one. That's the, mar that's the fair market value is what somebody is willing to pay for the business. Number two, it's what a bank is willing to finance. So if a bank won't finance it, it doesn't matter how valuable it is, does it? Because if you don't have, let's just say you went and had a $5 million business that was for sale. Well, if a bank's not going to finance it for you, unless you have $5 million cash, you know, it's, it, the deal's not going to get done. And who has $5 million in cash? That's, this is what banks are for. Right. So it's what the bank will finance the business for. So, Within 24 hours, I can take a look at a business. I can look at the, uh, the cash flow of the business. I can look at the, 
the market within or, or the, the genre of the business within the market and tell you what the business is worth down to me. I was, and, and then and what we do is we order a business valuation through the bank once we get a deal in place. And that way the bank gets it done for cheaper, much cheaper, because a business valuation can cost you north of $10,000 and it's a worthless stack of paper with a worthless number on it. It means nothing. And once we get the valuation in, I am never more than 3% off of the value, 3%. I did a $32 million deal uh, three years ago, and I did uh, the business, I did, I did my analysis on it, and I was 2% off whenever the business valuation came in to the bank. Yeah, that's, that's not too far off, you know? That's, right. that's amazing. Right. That's amazing. Wow. By the way, I do that for free. Okay, so if any of your listeners are business owners, they want to sell, have them contact me. I do that for free. I don't, I don't charge a dime to give you the real number of what your business is worth. Wow, and I'm glad you just offered that because that kind of gives a segue into my next question. Okay. So I want to ask you, without giving away too much detail of your process, what do you think makes business owners trust you? Well, okay, I'm going to answer your question a little differently than what you asked it. If they don't, I don't take them on as a client, number one. Number two, if they don't let me do what I'm going to do, then I'm going to tell them, hey, this isn't a right fit between me and you. I'm not going to bring you on as a client. So if they don't trust me, then I just say, hey, you need to find somebody that you trust, and I wish you luck. Here's why. I don't charge people to give their give a business valuation to them, tell them what their their business is worth. I don't charge them to go to the bank and get and put a full SBA package together. I have countless hours on what I do. And then if I sell your business, I've got six months or seven months of my life into it. So if you approach me in an untrusting manner, I'm turned off. Okay? I mean, I, I can't tell you how turned off I am. Um it's just I'm done at that point. I can't. I'm not going to work for you. And if they are going to trust me, then they just need to do their research online about who I am and what I am, and they need to watch some videos and watch some testimonials that have been done out there about what it is that I do. They can check out my book. They can check out all the good feedback online for what it is that I do. They can look online at all the deals that I've done. So if, to answer your question, trust has to be there not only for the broker, but trust has to be there between the buyer and the seller. If you don't have trust between the buyer and the seller and the broker, you're never going to get to the table, so to speak, meaning the closing table. You'll never get there. Well, you know, it's interesting because business is all about relationships. It really is not necessarily about the product or the service. And I can see that also even within selling your business. Uh, it, it's really building a relationship over time, right? Um, I would say not, and here's why. Okay. I would say, you know, so, some people call me and they say, well, I don't know you, and I'll tell them, I'll say, well, send me in the last three years' tax returns. Well, I don't know you. I'm not going to do that, and I say, okay, great. I mean, I, whatever. If you don't want me to help, you don't want me to help you. Well, if why would they be calling me in the first place if they don't want my help, number right. one? Number two, what are they going to do? Are they going to send their tax returns to their brother or their best friend? No, they're not going to do that either. So you want, okay, um, I think it's Luke 
4, verse 24, you can't be a prophet in your own homeland, Jesus said. Okay? So I get people that call me from California and say, hey, I want you to sell my business. Why didn't they ask their brother or their sister if they knew somebody that sell businesses? Why? Because they don't want to send tax returns to somebody that they really know. They want to send them to a stranger from afar. And they, and they want me, the expert at this, I'm an expert business broker, no doubt, and they want, to, they want to send the returns to me because they don't know me. So, no, you wouldn't have somebody that you know intimately sell your business. You're going to want a stranger from afar because you can't be a prophet in your own homeland. So I'm a, I'm a prophet from afar, and that's why they'll work with me. I never thought of it that way. Thank you for planning that in that manner. Talk about your book, From Blue to White. What's the inspiration behind that? And, and just can you share a few details about the book to the listeners? Well, yeah, From Blue to White was kind of my life's work, really, that, that happened because I had always just worked my ass off as a kid and all the way up, you know, I've, I've worked, I tell people I've worked more than five men have, and it's probably true. It might be an exaggerated statement, but it's ultimately maybe true. I've worked my whole life. It's what I know. I have a mentality of if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And that kind of raw accountability that you need to have, I, I think it's critical to being an entrepreneur. And so I put my life's work into that book from blue to white. And I explained that mentality and I explained how to be a broker of services. And what that book was from blue to white was just teaching uh, an everyday average Joe that is working for somebody, whether you're a plumber or you're a carpenter or whether you're whatever. I was uh, writing in there how you can go from doing the work to actually holding the briefcase and being the, the contractor who gets the jobs. And then, and, then, and then I taught people how to subcontract those jobs out. And so the whole premise of the book is to show people how to make $1,000 a day and never pick up a tool. That's the whole premise of the book. But there's a lot of psychology in there, how to market, and how to, a little bit of salesmanship in there as well. But it really is a book for the working man who decides that he doesn't want to work so hard with labor. He wants to get smart and quit working hard. You know that old adage, work smart, not hard. That's what that book's about for the working man. Wow. Chad, you have opened my eyes so much to the topic of mergers and acquisitions. And honestly, I never thought about the difference between entrepreneur and a business owner. And I'm glad that you explained the differences between that because now I realize I may be more of an entrepreneur than business owner. I've started a lot of businesses over my lifetime. And it's interesting because people are like, well, what are you doing now? And, but I don't, I don't see it as a failure. You know, I tried different things and I did it until I didn't want to do it anymore. And some were extremely successful and some, you know, maybe not so much, but I tried it, but I learned something from each of those endeavors. So now I, I can see where, because uh, even within Strive for More with my podcast, it's changed over time. I've tried to do, you know, I'm doing something else. <laughs> it just kind of metamorphosis. Well, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, you know, you, you've got an entrepreneur, you've got an entrepreneurial spirit. And so my point is that if you put somebody in the wrong position, then it's your fault. You know, if you put somebody in the wrong position to do something, you know, it's, what's that Albert Einstein quote? I'll probably botch it, but it's everybody is a, is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, 
you will think it's an idiot. It's something like that. It's like, you know, if you if 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 I put somebody who's not an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial role, well, that's that's my fault. Okay, now I'm trying to get a fish to climb a tree, right? Now an entrepreneur will say, to your point, an entrepreneur will say, well, I, I tried that, but it didn't work. But I'm going to try again, and I'm going to try again, and I'm going to try again. That's an entrepreneur. A business owner who's more, yeah, who's more managerial will fail and probably just take it as a complete and total failure and never try it again. Well, you know, Chad, I can tell you that each of the businesses I've started, and I've started, I mean, even as a teenager, uh, I, I have I kind of dibbled and dabbled in a couple of things, and I realized, like, yeah, like, I learned something from each of those, like I said, I learned something from each of those endeavors to the point where now, here I am at 40, and have this company and this podcast and just growing this great network of people. And I can tell you in the process of me booking guests or just talking to guests or reaching out to them, interviewing them, the pro- marketing, I have taken something from each of the past businesses and I put them into this one. And I feel like, you know, I've given myself, like you said, some people brag about their degrees. I don't have an MBA. I'm an educator. I'm an assistant principal. So, I'll, you know, I'm supposed supposed to not really know too much about business, right, because I didn't get an MBA. But I can see your point where sometimes it's boots on the ground that really gives you the education that you need. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this. Uh, To your point, let's just say a war broke out and we needed special forces to to go in and, you know, live on the land and and hike eight miles a day with a 60-pound pack and get shot at. And uh, you know, dodging snakes in the in the mountains and slitting somebody's throat and and winning a war. Well, if you show up and say, "I've got an MBA," what what, what are they going to say? They're going to say, "Well, that's that's nice and all, but this is this is hard work. This is war. This is battle." And that's and that's what an entrepreneur understands. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of hard things in being an entrepreneur, and. You know, it's that kind of mindset you have to have because it's just if without that mindset of, hey, we're going to war and this is this is do or die. We're either going to kill or be killed in this whole thing. It's either going to be a failure or it's going to be a win and it's all up to me. Well, I don't care about your MBA, you know. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Chad, I have definitely enjoyed this conversation. I have one last question for you. It's kind sure. of off topic. I'll ask all of my guests one last question. And my question to you is, what's your favorite color and why? Copper is my favorite color, and I don't know why. I wish I could tell you why, but I just love it. <laughs> yeah, I love copper. Maybe it's maybe it's vintagey. Maybe it's vintagey. I don't know, but I have copper everywhere. I have copper on my hand, on my my ring. I have copper. My my house is copper. I had a car that was copper. My ceiling and my kitchen is copper. Everything is copper that I own. That's my favorite color. Well, I truly appreciate you. Can you do me a favor? Take the time to let everyone know how they can purchase a copy of your book or seek your services if they ever think that they are interested in either merging their business or even doing a complete acquisition of another or if they want to try and sell their business. Well, just go to www.petersonacquisitions.com. That's petersonacquisitions.com. Go to Get the Book, Swinging Doors. And if you uh, put this in your show notes, if, if you tell them 
to go to my website and say that uh, they heard me on your show, I will give them a free book of Swinging Doors. Awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they continue to strive for more? Yeah, uh, last, I, I will do that. Um, don't let the world tell you what to do. Source within you what you want to do. This whole world is full of people. I don't care if it's the, the education system or if it's the religious system or the judicial system. You know, I say religious system. There is no religious system, but there's, there's a religious world, okay? Everybody's trying to tell you what to do. Don't let them do it. Reach deep down inside of who you are. Be authentic to yourself. Stay true to yourself and do what it is that's burning within your soul. Because whatever's in your soul is far more important than what other people think that you should be doing. Incredible people, smart people, have been ruined by people telling them what to do because they start following everybody else's lead instead of their own internal compass. That's my final piece of wisdom for your audience. Wow, what a word, Chad. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance to you and your family and your future. Safe travels back home, and take care. Hey, thank you. Guess what, everyone? Strive for More podcast show is expanding. We are looking for individuals who are interested in starting a podcast, or maybe you already have a podcast and it's not going quite how you want it to go. We are looking for individuals who are interested in joining our network. If you are interested in starting a podcast, please send me an email at striveformore at email.com. That's strive, S-T-R-I-V-E, the number four, more, M-O-R-E, at email.com. I can't wait to speak with you and together we can grow your podcast and build a wonderful network for many of the listeners out there. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.